Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to episode two of Seven Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. My name's Neil. I'm your host. As always, thank you very much for listening and joining. Um, the guest today is the first French guest on Seven Million Bikes, which is surprising because there are a lot of French people in Vietnam, maybe because I can't speak French. But um, I'm very excited. Our guest today is the editor-in-chief and founder of Bliss Saigon, which is a lifestyle magazine based here in Vietnam, and very popular. And she has lived in Vietnam on and off since 1983 and on for quite a while. So I'm excited to introduce Edith Gerardo. So um, thank you very much for joining us today. It's um, a pleasure. I've had a couple of articles in, in Bliss Saigon as well. You, you did an article on me after I'd been in quarantine. Yes, indeed. Way back in March. Yes, few months. That was almost a year, actually. Oh, wow! Yeah, I mean, time is flying. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? So, I mean, I know it's nearly going to be one year since I got put in quarantine, which uh, it feels like it was last week. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you first came to Vietnam in 1983, right? Yes. I don't want to embarrass you. I was one year old. 
1983. <laughs> <laughs> so what, um, you've got a background in art history? Yes, that's true. Actually, I study art history at the base, you know, and, uh, but uh, like a lot of people, art history, art market, but like um, a lot of people, I didn't work in that field. And um, another, at the time, you know, another opportunity came and I, um, uh, worked uh, mainly in communication, advertising, events a lot, you know. It's so common, isn't it? I find, like, the whole system of getting a degree almost seems pointless. Like, I barely know anybody who uses their degree. Yes. <laughs> Mine's in sport and exercise science, and I think I used it a tiny bit for about a year after university with some odd jobs here and there, and I've never used sport and exercise no. science. I mean, but... I mean, you know, when you study art, it's because also it's a passion somewhere. Mm. So more or less you keep it a bit of it, you know, for yeah. your life, you know, always. You, you keep an interest on it. Yeah, I mean, I still like sports, I guess. That's why, <laughs> that's why I did it. I loved sport and I was like, what can I study for a degree? All right, sports science. I like science as well. I'll do sports science. Okay. And I had a plan to have a career in it and then, you know, life yeah, life, life takes us somewhere, somewhere else, you know, right? un unexpected most of the time. Yeah, but that's why life is beautiful, also. Exactly. You know? And someone once told me it, the, the it's not so much the subject that is the most important thing; it's the fact that you can show that you can complete a four-year degree. It's the process of learning and producing whatever is produced at the end of it, whether it's a dissertation or. And you're telling me before you've never been to Scotland as well? No, I mean, I've never been. So I wish. I mean, I wish, uh, I wish I went there. <laughs> but I spent a lot of time in London, yeah. you know. Uh, and uh, I lived there for two years. I, did, I mean, when I was almost a kid, yeah, let's yeah. say, 23, 24. And, um, and I came back regularly, but uh, in London, but... Uh, Never been in uh, Scotland. How far north did you make it? Don't say you've never left London. Oh, no, of course, I left London. <laughs> but I remember the south <laughs> more than the north. Did north. you get to Manchester? Somerset, I remember. Somerset. The Somerset. I think that's further south. It's more the South Brighton, Somerset. That's all no, south. Did you go north at all? I don't remember. I mean, maybe if you give me... Manchester? No. Liverpool? No. <laughs> uh, Birmingham? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so you just did in the deep south. Yeah, yeah, it's warmer there. Yeah, well, you know, I come from south of France. Yeah, so. fair sure enough. <laughs> like, My first ever um, trip overseas was to France when I was 16 for a school really? trip. Really? Where? Yeah. Paris, of course. Uh, yeah, yes. we went to the Asterix Park. Oh, which was <laughs> my <fun>. God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we 16? I mean, you're not too old for a Cerex Park. <laughs> 16? Maybe we were 15. It was still fun, yeah. But, and it was, we'd studied, we studied French and I yeah. can still only say I'm like joking. one thing. Yeah, I can still only say like one thing in French. And I remember going to France and it was, um, I think the only French I used was un glace, s'il vous plaît. Oh, that's not, and that I mean, that's it. good. Yeah, yeah. that's good. <laughs> that was about it. That was fine. So what, um, you, you've traveled all over. So you lived in Miami, Germany and London. Yes. How did that come about? How did you go from France to these countries and then oh, end well, up in Vietnam? As I said, you know, um, I mean, I left France, um, when I was 22, three, mm. uh, to go in London to take the proficiency, um, of course, you know, mm. um, and after that, uh, um, I met my uh, husband. So 
was uh, from London and we went to live in um, Miami for 10 years, more wow. or less, you know. So what was it like then living in Miami? Oh, well, at the time, that was great. I mean, uh, Miami Beach, uh, I mean, all the... It was uh, less Spanish than now, I guess, you know. It became... Um, uh, more Spanish, I mean, language, you know, with mm. the time. Uh, more Anglo-Saxon at the time, you know. But that was great. I mean, I had a great time there. And uh, more or less, it's a bit like the same weather than here in, uh, in Ho Chi Minh City. Mm. So then where did you go after Miami? Uh, well, after Miami, uh, I came back in France for a few years. And uh, after that, uh, went in Germany, in München. Uh, for six years, about six years, and um, after that, uh, came again in Vietnam, in Ho Chi Minh City. So when was the first time ah, you came? But the first time in between. Oh, you've been in between, right? It, yes, because mm. in between, in um, around 83, 85, mm-hmm. uh, I made a break um, uh, in my, um, or you say that, communication uh, career. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I decided I wanted to comes to to work in something more creative you know and uh so i worked in um, decorations design stuff things so at that time you know for six years i came in um ho chi minh city about one week every month for six years from France. From Europe, from France, yeah, for a week. What was the travel like back then? That was a bit more complicated. Yeah. I mean, uh, at the time, I used to take mainly uh, Air France, but um, um, you had to stop in Bangkok for many, many years. Mm-hmm. After it changed, and it was, you had to stop uh, to Singapore in between, you know, and uh, yeah. That's a, a long commute to do that once a week, to do it for a week every month. Yeah, well, you have to like to travel. <laughs> so I'm just really fascinated to find out um, what was Saigon like in 1983? What was Vietnam like? It, I, it's now that I mean, 40 years ago now. It must have been. I've been in Vietnam for four years and I have watched it change dramatically. Saigon anyway, for sure. Like it's just yes. growing like places that used to be a swamp mm-hmm. now have sprawling housing complexes landmark 81 wasn't here before now it's the i think the tallest building in southeast asia that's happened in four years what was vietnam like 40 years ago well i mean uh in 83 85 uh, as you can imagine it was very extremely different you didn't have any uh, coffee bar you didn't have uh, any restaurant you just had some big hotel like the rex hotel and all the other one big one you know and um i mean of course uh, the language i mean was also a problem i mean you had to have a translator Mm-hmm. with you all the time because now i mean in vietnam i mean and especially in in saigon in ho chi minh city uh most of people i mean are speaking such i mean they're trying to speak such a good english mm. you know i've it, noticed the increase in just four years I mean, before it, it's increasing mm. i mean in france i'm sure they don't even speak so well, English, you know. So, but at the time, it was, um, it was, of course, a problem. But I already loved that country. That's why 
um, when I had the opportunity to come back 10 years ago, it's what I did. So what made you... It's just something that's so common with Vietnam, and I had this conversation this week. There's something about Vietnam that just draws you here, and it's written in books where it's a quiet American or whatever. Like, there's just something about Vietnam that people, expats from France, England, America, Scotland, wherever, just love it here. And even talking with friends this week, we almost can't put our finger on it. Like, we don't almost know why we love it. There's just like an energy or there's something. What for you made you fall in love with it? Well, uh, of course, I mean, Ho Chi Minh City has um, an energy, a fantastic energy. I mean, uh, I never saw that. I traveled a lot, but I almost never saw that anywhere else. So there is something uh, very, very um, surprising and very dynamic in in Saigon. People are happy. Uh, foreigners are happy. Vietnamese people are happy. Of course, I mean, life is hard, but it's hard like everywhere else in the world. But Vietnamese are very optimistic people. And um, maybe you're not going to believe it, but at the time, at least in 83, 85, I felt more free here in Vietnam than I did in Europe. We'll be right back. Did you know that family travel has the incredible power to shape our children's worldview and create lasting memories? In a world where representation is often lacking, it's essential for our children to see themselves reflected in every aspect of life, including the stories we tell about travel. Introducing the Travel of Legacy podcast, where we're rewriting the script by celebrating the diverse voices of black and brown family travelers. Each episode of Travel of Legacy is a testament to the enriching power and the joy of exploration in black and brown communities. So journey with us and subscribe now. No, I totally agree. We I have friend conversation with friends, and we agree. We feel even now we feel much more free in Vietnam than, uh, than yes, our home countries. Absolutely. Do you think it's interesting you say about the happiness? And I, I completely agree. And is this too simplistic? But do you think it's the weather? It can be. Actually, you know, I'm like a bit like you. I asked myself the question. I say. I wonder, you know, and say to myself, you know, what is it in the air? You know, there is something special in the air. We feel like, I don't know, like we, some, I mean, for us, for any year, it's like if we live like in the bubble, you know, like um, in the dream and, um, and talking about something in the air, my favorite time, it's about, it's around five, six o'clock in Ho Chi Minh City. When the sun's going down. Yes. Yep. And I love, and I love to be in district one. Don't tell me, you know, it's too trendy, yeah. <laughs> but I love to be in District 1 in um, around five o'clock, yes. Yeah. I don't know why. I cannot explain it. Uh, no, I think it is because the sun, uh, that change of the sun going down, I, I completely agree. Because even last night we looked out of our window, my wife and I, and we were like, look at the, the sun, the colours. And it's year round. And I, I remember when we first came to Southeast Asia and almost our first night in mm-hmm. Bangkok mm-hmm. and watching the the red hot sun going down between the buildings and the light that's cast and it's this kind of purpley red pink color that you don't get in Scotland because you barely see the sun in Scotland and I'd lived in New Zealand and you and you 
it's just different. The sky is different. The sun is different. Yeah. We're in a different place. We're near the equator, so things are the light is different, you know. And the reason I think is that the weather. The one partly one of the biggest reasons I left Scotland is the weather. Like mm. I hate it. It rains all the time. It's cold. It's wet. Yeah. It's windy. Yes, yes. It's miserable. It's just so so miserable. Yeah. I was never. Almost always cold and wet. Mm-mm. And then I lived in America where it was warm and it was sunny and the people are warm and sunny. And where even, did you live in America? Rhode Island. Ah, okay. Mm. And even in winter when it was cold in America, like minus 20 degrees, but it was still sunny with blue skies. Whereas in Scotland, it's just grey and miserable and wet. Yes, but I heard that uh, Scottish people are fantastic. They are, but they're also miserable at the same time. That's because they're drunk all the time. No, I make fun of Scottish people for being drunk. We're not all drunk all the time. And the, the whiskey time. also. Of the whiskey course. does help. The whis- and the ghost. I, yeah. But to go back to sorry, to go back to the weather, which I know is a boring subject. But what what I've discussed with my wife and other people is the fact that Saigon, the weather is just consistently warm. You yes. can wear shorts and t-shirt all year round, oh, which is yeah. the difference to Hanoi, whereas Hanoi gets really cold in the winter but and really hot in the did summer. You, did you hear that this from this Sunday to this Monday is going to drop 18 degrees Celsius? I did, I saw that. It's going to drop to 18 overnight, overnight. Oh, my but this is one of the funny things is we're talking about 18 degrees being cold. And I remember a couple of years ago when I was teaching and it went down to 22 degrees and all the students came in in the morning and they were all wearing hats and scarves mm-hmm, and gloves. Mm-hmm. And I was like, in Scotland, mm-hmm. if it gets to 18 degrees, everyone's at the park with their T-shirts off and everyone's having barbecues and it's like 18 degrees is a, a warm day. Mm-hmm. But your point, you kind of acclimatise, right? And everyone's like, oh my goodness, 18 is going to be cold. Yes. Uh, but you know, I mean, that surprises people very often, but, uh, um, you can be cold even with 30, 40 degrees. I mean, here in Saigon, I mean, I can feel, I can be cold sometimes. I know, you mean, yeah. To go back again, what, what is it funny what you said is about you had a translator? Yes. It's crazy to think where we've come with technology that 40 years, you had to have a human being translator yes. with you. And now we have a phone Google. with a translator on our phone, which is not perfect, but... It helps. You can get by, right? Yes. Now, I have a question for you. You came here first time nearly 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Do you speak Vietnamese? No. <laughs> Still not. It's... You know why? I mean, I'm telling you. Um, at the time, you know, I was just there once, I mean, a week every month. Okay, for a long time. But after that, <laughs> I tried uh, 10 years ago, I took some course with my husband, actually, for a few months, and he was so difficult for us, you know, so difficult. <laughs> we talk about it on nearly every episode, and I talk about it on stage when I do stand-up. And I feel guilty, but I mean, it's, I'm, you've been here longer than me. It, it is so difficult. And, and it's, I, yeah, it's quite and I, I feel sorry. I yeah. feel sorry, you know, sometimes. Because, I mean, living in a country, you can only access, you know, to people really if you speak the language. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, we have really tried. Yeah. But uh, I haven't even tried. And <laughs> I feel bad. Because the reason why. I haven't tried. One is I'm bad at languages, just off the bat. Yes. Two, I never expected to be here this long, so mm-hmm. I didn't really try in the beginning, and then time went by, and suddenly it was like, oh my goodness. But one of the things, it is so difficult, I can't even say people's names correctly. You know what I mean? Like the difference between N-G-H-I and N-H-I. Yes. And I'm like, I if see. I can't even say your name correctly, 
how am I going to learn the language? And it's we... very, it's a language very, very different. Yeah. And I don't know if you speak already another language. No, no, if you speak another language, I speak, I barely speak English. Okay. So sometimes it's, uh, I mean, uh, it's difficult. Yeah. But I mean, it's, ex- I mean, for me anyway, and I regret. But, you know, um, now, as I said, you know, uh, no, Vietnamese that... people speak such a good English. Exactly. That, 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 that the, mean, other, the other side of helps, the coin you know? is, even in the beginning when I tried to speak a little bit of Vietnamese, they would speak back in English Mm-mm. because they want to try and practice that yes, English, they want to which practice. doesn't give you the opportunity. Yes. And then the other point is, and I talked with a friend about this, when you do try and speak Vietnamese, they often laugh at you. Yeah. And, and they're not being mean. But no. It, but it really, it really, like, just last week because we, we make were them in... Laugh. Yeah, last week we were in um, Dalat, and I just tried to ask for a beer at a little roadside kind of convenience store. And I just tried to say, you know, Chotoy, high beer, which I, I believe says, please give me two beers. And there were two guys that were walking away in the, and they all started laughing and pointing at me. And they weren't being because mean, the but it makes you feel really small. No, because, You're like, oh my God, <laughs> you know? Because I think, you know, the intonation, uh, Vietnamese language, yeah, it's very much on intonation. Yeah, yeah. And only uh, one uh, little difference can change the meaning, you yeah. know? So I guess when we try to speak Vietnamese, we get... We can say we, we, really we, bad words. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we say <laughs> sometimes funny things. Yeah. So you, you were here on and off 83 to 85. What, um, I know this is really, I sound like such a bougie person, but I'm assuming there was no aircon. No. Of and course. It must have been hot. No. Like in April, it gets so, yes. so hot. Like, how did you cope with that? Well, we had to, that's yeah, all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, no, I mean, at the time, you you also, I mean, you didn't have all the comforts mm. that you have today. I remember at the time, that was the time of the facts, you know. Yeah, at the t- we, I mean, you know, for business, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. we used at the time no fax messaging. <laughs> so no text, uh, no phone, you know, um, no iPhone. And uh, so it was very difficult because we had to go to the post office because you couldn't do it from the hotel. You had to go to the post office and get an agreement that, and they used to send it, you know. It's crazy to think how slow life must have been just getting things done, like to just send a message it, you have to go to, to the time. post office, whereas now we just send a message and yes. instantly like... Yes, it's true. Uh, yes. But it was, I mean, I really liked it. Mm. I mean, during all this year also, you know. It was not, um, it was not, I mean, you cannot compare uh, yesterday and today. You yeah. know, you live different things. And, um, but I like, you know, I liked before. I mean, I liked 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Really? And I like today also. No, I like that. So you were coming on and off. And then after 85, then where did you live? Uh, after 85, I mean, when I was coming in, mm. in, I was living in France. And after I went in Germany, yeah, in München. Yeah. And after I came with my husband, you know, because he's a teacher in philosophy you know, okay. at uh, yeah. Lycée Marguerite Duras. So we came here. Right. Because uh, when he had the opportunity, I said, yes, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so he was teaching philosophy at like a French university or French school here? No, he, he was um, teaching um, uh, philosophy at um, the Lycée, the French um, 
school, you know, in um, München. And after he had a new contract to teach philosophy in the French school in um, Marguerite Duras in Saigon. Nice. And then, so what, what was the most, what was the big, what were the biggest differences that you saw then when you came back to Saigon? How long, had, how long had you been away from Saigon from, at this point? Six years. Right. And, and, had and I came back, much? and when I came back 10 years ago, of course, I expected a bit. I mean, I thought it would have changed, but I didn't expect it that it changed so much. Right. Okay. <laughs> so what, what were the biggest changes then in, in that situation? Well, years? in everything. I mean, I mean, in the infrastructure, on the road, on the comfort mainly, on the getting access to internet, you know, and all that things, you know, finding also products. That food that you couldn't find before, you know, like, um, you know, uh, I don't know, cream, butter, <laughs> milk. I mm. mean, I mean, milk, yes, but, you know, uh, product that um, foreigners like, you know. So, yes, and he improved. And I saw that, you know, improving and improving year after year. Ten years, already ten years ago, you, you only had a um, few shops in District 1, two shops, three shops, where you could find, you know, foreigners product. Now, I mean, come on, watch, you have a Metro, Big C, I mean, you can buy, you can find more or less, more or less, you know, everything. It's, uh, I've mi- I, I guess, only being here four years, I almost missed that experience of not being able to find stuff, because since I've been here, it's pretty much been consistent, and more and more and more. Yes. And then in terms of shopping, like in like retail shopping, there's shopping malls have sprung up. You can get H and M, and now you need yes. And so it was interesting coming here that you we kind of knew that there was things that you might not be able to get, but now it's at the point where there's almost nothing that you can't get. Uh, uh, that's why, as I said, you know, if you ask me the question, did you prefer before or now? I would say. I liked it a lot before, but I also like it today because now we can have, I mean, as a foreigners, a very good quality life and not expensive, you know, and f- have a very good comfort and find all the produ- products we like. Mm. But you will pay more for the product from overseas. Uh, yes, of course, yeah. we pay two, three times the price. Yes, yes. <laughs> it makes me laugh. I've gone into like Anam Gourmet, which is the kind of retail fancy, uh, all the overseas product. And it will have like a, so for example, there's a, a Scottish soft drink called Iron Brew. And it'll have the can of Iron Brew and it will say on the can 29 pence. Mm-hmm. But the actual price is yeah. like four times as much as yeah, <laughs> it yeah. says on the, I know obviously they've got import price. I know, I like, I understand why it's more expensive. But when you see the price on the can, it's like, oh my goodness. To go back to something you mentioned earlier about um, living as a foreigner feels like we're in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And I do agree completely. And I think part of that is not most of us can't speak the language. I've only met a couple of foreigners who can speak it. Yes. And so I was talking to a friend just this week and saying how I've lived here four years. I love Vietnam, but it has never felt like home. Like it doesn't feel like home. And I think I could live here for 10 more years and I would still never feel it's like funny it's you home. say that, you know. It's funny you say that because actually I don't speak Vietnamese, but if I am still in Vietnam, it, it's because I feel at home. Oh, interesting, okay. And I don't speak the language. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, that's really the truth. You know what I liked, you know, and why I came back in Vietnam? It's because I felt 
very well welcomed, you know, honestly. And um, even if, I mean, I didn't feel so welcome in America, honestly, huh? not so welcome, I mean, in um, in London, in München. I mean, yes, I was welcome also, but it was, um, it was much better. Yeah, honestly. And even if I don't speak the language, my home is here. Ah, okay. So you think you'll be here for... A long time. A long time. Can't say forever, right? But, I can't say forever. You can never say forever. Yeah, yeah. So your background is in communications. And yes. so what kind of communications had you done in the past? Well, in communication, you know, I used to work for the press resume, the doing thing, the press rendezvous, the, all the, com- what you call, I mean, for events, cultural, a lot of cultural events. I used to work for... Um, a big organization organizing a big event about philosopher, big philosopher, mainly sociologists, artists, big things like that. <clears throat> Not like event like wedding, you know, no. And um, so, yes, I worked in that field, more or less. And so then tell me about how did Bliss Saigon come about? Oh, well... As I say to you, you know, I worked in press, communication, <clears throat> also advertising, and um, oh, we came. Well, I, you know, I still ask myself the question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what was the impetus earlier? Did you see that there was a gap that you wanted to fill? <clears throat> or? It started... Uh, Bliss Saigon uh, actually didn't wasn't called at the beginning uh, Bliss. He was. We we decided we were a bunch of friends, you know, thinking, okay, we're going to do something fun, funny. So we wanted to call it Yes Magazine, you know. But Yes was already taken because it's an American. Yeah, magazine. I was about to say that not already. So to to not create any confusion, yeah. you know, uh, we found uh, the name of Bliss. Um, but, uh, yeah, it started like that, you know, like, um, okay, <clears throat> of course, other magazines, some other, not very much, uh, existed at the time. Uh, Saigonia's, uh, Oi, and Word was closing at the time, and um, good magazine, you know, Word magazine. And uh, so we thought, okay, um, let's uh, start to play. That was for fun. And after it became more and more serious, and uh, some people went, some people, new people came in, you know, and uh, we're still there. Was it print in initially or always online? No, um, uh, mainly online, but we did also printing. We started to print just before COVID, so we had to stop. Oh, no. <laughs> right. What, was your, what made you want to do print? Because you always hear about print presses are dying. Yes, we print industry. one edition, actually. Just one? Just one. After came the COVID and uh, we couldn't. Uh, why printing paper? Because I guess it's my, um, mainly, uh, we think that, and I think, um, that um, uh, paper is something, is different from virtual world, you know, and uh, I like the paper. <laughs> Just a personal choice then. I like the paper, I like the book. Mm. I like uh, read, you know, and uh, read read on the tab- tablet, you know. Or it's not the same. It's definitely not the same yeah. <laughs> for me. So I, I've slowly, well, not even slowly. For, I've converted now. I've started reading books on a Kindle. 
Yeah, I don't like it. I really like it. I, uh, I quite enjoy it. It's just nice it's having... It's convenient. Yeah. It's really convenient. It's small. It's light. Um, it's easy to, to use, yeah, but... So I don't know. Then I just I, I don't know. Imagine, I know imagine see see yourself. You know when you take a book and you turn the page through the paper. It's like you feel time flying. Yeah. The past, the future, many so many emotions. I don't know. I know what you mean. I, reading the Kindle, I'm just reading a book on it right now. It tells you at the bottom what percentage of the book you're mm-hmm. through. And that really does help. Like, it's like, oh, I'm 60% through. So you can almost visualize, like, Mm-mm. this is how much I have left, you know, so. So what's next for Bliss Saigon then? Well, uh, since COVID, of course, the times are diffi- a bit difficult, you know, for, I mean, like for every business in lifestyle, you know, hotel, restaurant, everything. And know? I'm assuming they would have been a lot of your advertisers. Yes, yes. And, uh, but anyway, we continue. We're still there. I mean, eight in the team, you know, we are um, American uh, Australian, Vietnamese, of course, you know, and French. So the team, I've got uh, extremely lucky to have since about two years, you know, um, great people around me, you know, and um, very faithful Vietnamese partner and uh, very faithful, I mean, uh, American and Australian and also French uh people and friends, you know. So I don't have to, really, I don't have to complain. We don't have to complain. Mm. And uh, we're still there. I mean, we try to help also the community, you know, as much as we can. We advertise a lot now, even free, you know, for people to help them, for restaurant, hotel, for many activities, you know. Of course, I mean, um, we also need to to make money, of course, but... Uh, you know, um, we, we keep a big part, uh, naturally, for, uh, you know, talking about the things we like first. It's not money first, it's things we like. And also, we like to try to help all the communities, you know, around. That's awesome. And I assume that... And we are now, since actually two days, in Vietnamese also. In I was English about to ask, yeah. And Vietnamese. So do you have to hire a whole new staff member to, to translate everything into Vietnamese? Of course or? we have a translator. Yeah, but was that like a new position or you had an existing staff member that you were like, okay, you need to translate now? Oh, no, because um, in Vietnamese, uh, we had to have a new translator, mm. Vietnamese uh, translator, um, and of course, because people um, uh, are writing American in English and write <laughs> article in English, so that's okay mainly. Yeah, yeah. I also write sometimes, you know, when I, you need, you know, to do it. Do you uh, but any, I write also in English. And, um, sorry. Any plans for a French version? We had before. Yeah. But you know, we had to take it off because we had. On a website, you cannot have free language. It's too heavy. Oh, really? Is it because we have, down? Yes. So it's because we we use, at least we like the very good quality mm. image. So, um, so if you do it in free language, it's very, very heavy. Mm. So you have to keep only two. So before we were in English and French, and now we have shoes to be in English and Vietnamese. Mm. 
So I assume with your website, you can you get to see where people are, are viewing your website from. Mm-hmm. Do you have many international viewers or is it all mainly in Vietnam? Oh, no, no, no. Of course, it's international. I yeah. mean, you know, you have from Vietnam, of course, mainly. But also, I mean, we have people contacting us professionally from Hong Kong or Singapore or even Malaysia or, you know, America also. Because you know what? I mean, Vietnamese community are everywhere in the world. And so... Vietnamese people are feel very concerned, you know, if they live abroad, it's like you. I mean, come on, I'm sure, you know, I mean, you're Scottish living in Vietnam, but I'm sure that uh, you're reading a Scottish magazine sometime, no? I was hoping, I was hoping you weren't <laughs> going to finish that sentence. No, not at all. I'm terrible. <laughs> the only thing I read is the football, the soccer. Uh-huh. And I read about English soccer, not even Scottish mm-hmm. soccer. So I do sometimes get people asking me about, like, how's things in Scotland, or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I actually don't, you don't know. know. I don't follow it yet. That's just pretty bad. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, right, so we'll, we'll finish up. This has been really interesting. Um, I do, I always love hearing about the change in Vietnam and the change in Saigon because I, I've seen it in four years and I, I can't imagine what it was like, you know, in the 80s. And, and I really like your point of view about... Um, it's not better. It's just kind of different. It's different. Which is a similar topic we covered in the, the last episode with Kelso. And we were talking about the difference between Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh City. Mm-hmm. And she says that, you know, it's not about which one is better. They're mm-hmm. just different. But I think in general, we always like to try and think of the mm-hmm. way, the way which one's better, you know, which is one of the questions I'm about to ask you in a second. But so at the end of each episode, I always ask the same set of questions so we can compare answers mm-hmm. across guests. And the first one is that, as you know, um, the name of the podcast is 7 Million Bikes yes. because there are over 7 million bikes in Saigon. Actually, I think there's over 8 million now. Um, do you drive a bike here? No. No? I don't. I mean, I'm not very good at it. I have to say, <laughs> I have to confess, you know. So do you go on grab bike or yes, you go on the back of, course, of a grab bike? Yes, of course, right. yes. But even in the 83, I mean, you know, I used to, that was that. I mean... You had the cyclos, cyclos yeah, at the yeah. time, you know, and uh, so yes, it's uh, I'm used to that. So you, so you understand the, the the way the 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 roads work here. Yes. So what would be an unwritten road rule that you think you couldn't live without? Yeah, actually, if I was going to do some humor, I would say walk on the wild side. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, you know, I mean, uh, I think that people mainly should anticipate more when they drive, you know. Mm. But I could say that, you know, for every country. (laughs) It's true. um, It's actually funny you said that because literally on the way here, there was a guy in front of me and you do really get good at just watching people. Like I could see his head kind of like looking Mm. and I was like, okay, he's going to do something but I don't know what, so I slowed down because I was like, I don't know, is he going left? Is he going right? He's not So I'm going to give you an advice. Go on. Watch the wheel. Watch the wheel. The right. wheel. Yeah, there you go. All right, there's advice for everyone. Watch the wheel. The wheel of the car yeah, or the yeah. wheel of the motorbike. See, I watch the. I mostly watch the kind of head, the body language. Like, what? What are they going to do? Watch the wheel. That's a good one. All right, now we we know that you don't speak Vietnamese no. fluently anyway. No. Uh, what's your most useful Vietnamese phrase? Oh, that's very common. Ben you. <laughs> what's that mean? How much? <laughs> oh, I'm not very good with the accent. Say it again. Huh? Well, uh, Ben, uh, Baonyu. yeah, yeah, that is probably, that's a really useful one. And I, that's probably one of the first things I learned. And I learned, I learned the money pretty quickly, or like the numbers. Mm-hmm. 
And still to this day, I find it funny because I will ask Bao Nhu, which means I'm speaking in Vietnamese. And I think that means you could speak Vietnamese back and I will understand. But they will speak to me in English or they'll show me the number on a calculator. Yes. And I'm like, you could tell me the number. I still might not understand, but there's a chance that I might understand. Bao Nhu is very, very um, useful. All right, next one. What's your favorite sunset spot in Vietnam? Um, I would say uh, my place, actually, because really? I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to live by the river, yeah. not in Tao Dien, but on the other side, you know, on uh, when you go on Tran, uh, Tran Nau, uh, you have many little streets who goes by the river, and I'm just in the front on the Vimohom and the Landmark 81. Just that. on the other side mm. of the river. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. So, Don't give your address away, you love people. Oh, no, 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 no I'm not going to. <laughs> but I want to explain, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. by the river there, you know, uh, just in front of the landmark uh, and, the, the, you know, the Vinhom, yeah, yeah. you have the sunset, the sunset goes down so you can see it between the tower, you know, and things. I know exactly, because uh, I work just on Chan now and the sun we can see the sunset at that time of day and it is it's yeah that's a good one that's a really spectacular sunset spot for sure now you've kind of answered this question but i'm going to ask it anyway and you have to give an answer okay so would you rather live in vietnam now or 20 years ago i would say now yeah and you know why because now it's always the best time <laughs> <laughs> i like that your french are so philosophical the french people are like it just they have the philosophical uh, nature ingrained into uh, them i think. don't believe that no <laughs> no i don't believe that it's not true <laughs> i think so because you, you you learn philosophy a lot more i think right in school or am I just being completely yes, stereotypical? I'm, yeah, it's different. The study are different, of course, than America and um, and um, and Europe. For example, in philosophy, mm-hmm. doesn't mean exactly the same thing. The course in America and um, you know, in Europe, philosophy is more coming from the Greek and all the you know. In um, in America, when you say you study philosophy, it's more sociology or psychology. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Okay, but I like that. So now because it's. And then we talked a lot about how you can get much more in Vietnam. But the last question, what's missing from Vietnam? The weather, but it's going to drop 18 degrees Celsius (laughs) soon. So So you miss the cold weather? A little bit. Yeah. But you know, when you meet, um, yeah, the the changement Mm -hmm. of seasons. But we are lucky also, you know, because we're not very far from Dalat or from, you know, we can take a bus even. Mm-hmm. It's not expensive. And we go to Dalat. And we have an, another um, weather. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, what best can we have? Yeah, there you go. I just went to Dalat for Christmas and it was yeah, just amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting you say that about the seasons, right? Because I was just talking earlier how it's amazing here because there are no seasons because it's just warm all the time. And it's like, you know, it's like, well... It well, goes both ways, right? We miss the seasons, but I really like the have, fact that it's... I would say one thing, you know, that the season allows you to see the time flying. Passage of time. For, absolutely, we've talked about Because when, when you live always, you know, on the same tons, you know, on the same... You don't see the time going and years going. <laughs> no, 100%. And I've had this discussion with friends... We've been here four years and it's hard sometimes to be like, what year was it that that happened? When was it? Because there's no winter to like be like, oh, that was the end of... I don't have the feeling, you know, to to have been there 
and living here since 10 years. Yeah. It looks like four or five years, you know. I, I, 100%, I have had the same feeling as well, yeah. So we're going to finish up. So to, before we go finish up, first of all, thank you so, so much. I've been looking forward to um, to this podcast. Well, um, thanks to you. Oh, you're very <laughs> welcome. Um, thank you very much. I've been, as I said, I was featured on Bliss Saigon. I, I wrote an article about um, my stay in quarantine, which you can also listen to. Uh, a season about that we made season three was basically all recorded from quarantine so you can hear that full story there but if you want to read about it but tell us um tell the listeners where can they find bliss saigon what's next for bliss saigon why should they read it tell us all about that well i mean they uh, can find easily bliss saigon you know just on internet uh, bliss saigon uh, dot com, you know, and on Facebook, of course, and Instagram, of course. Why they should read it? Because, well, I mean, uh, we give some um, very funny news, you know, um, uh, and uh, about, we talk about Saigon a lot and Vietnam also and other country, of course. But um, it's not, I would say, you know, that all content is not boring, so read it and <laughs> <Yeah>. discover it. <laughs> and we'll put a link in the show notes so that you can find Bliss Saigon easy enough as well. All right. Well, thank you very much. Edith Thanks Gira- to you. Giraudot. Giraudot. i got to practice my French pronunciation. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. And thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed that. And uh, have a good day. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. 
As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to the show. Cheers. Cheers.